Good evening. This is Dr. Adam Sheck, the Passion Doctor, and I wanted to thank you all so much for joining this Create a Passionate Life call. I really admire your motivation and your commitment for having the life you desire, for creating a more passionate life. I became known as the Passion Doctor because as a psychologist, I initially built my counseling practice working with couples and supporting them and bringing back the passion into the relationships. We created more connection, more intimacy, more romance, more sexuality. Yet passion is so much more than sexuality, and my work began to expand into supporting my clients and creating more passion, both in love and in work. And for me, passion is a a quiet, consistent, peaceful, energetic. It's not a big rah-rah kind of thing. Some people may express it that way. But for me, passion is an energy that that comes from uh, when your inner life matches your outer life. When what you want on the inside is what you're living on the outside, then you're congruent, then you're living an authentic life, and you've got that energy, that focus to create a deeper, more meaningful life for yourself. And That's the work I do with my clients in supporting them and getting to know themselves more deeply, to be honest with themselves, to be real with themselves, to share themselves with others. That's intimacy to me, whether it's in a romantic relationship or in another type. That's who we want to be as friends. That's who we want to be as coworkers and employees or employers. That's who we build lifelong friendships with. And you can learn more about my work at my website, thepassiondoctor.com. You can subscribe to my free Passion Doctor newsletter there and download some of my special reports. I've got one on relationship, 20 rituals for romance, as well as my special report on uh, life purpose, the secret to owning your mission. And if what I have to offer makes sense, if you read the blog, read my videos, watch them, you might also want to schedule a complimentary consultation for me from the website. And, and that's fine, too. So I'm going to speak really briefly about uh, mission today, life purpose, mission, all of that. And, and really, if you're feeling bored with your life, if you're unmotivated, if you're unenthusiastic, or you're really not doing what you want to be doing, it might be because you're not sure what your mission is, or there are obstacles preventing you from living it fully. And when I refer to mission, what I I really mean is is connecting to your life purpose, your raison d'etre, your reason for being on the planet. It's about what gives your life meaning. It's that existential question, what's the meaning of life? And it's your answer, not mine, not your parents, not your elders, not your family, not your spiritual advisors. It's your answer, an answer that you co-create in this world, and that's what we call your life. So when I say to own your mission, uh, what I really mean is that you know what it is and you're taking steps to live it and express it more fully in your life and as your life. And often I'll refer to your mission simply as mission without the your qualifier. And I do that because the word mission has more power to it, more grounding to it for me. It's really a more focused energy and direction. Mission feels much more like a verb to me, an action verb. It's a call to action. And the action itself is really rolled up into it as well. So in my experience, there are four components or ingredients to mission. The first is your gifts and talents. 
The next is your values. Your passion is a third, and then your contribution to the world. And that's really the four big pieces of that. I've written about them extensively. I have that in my special report, The Secret to Owning Your Mission. But important to know what you're good at, what you're naturally gifted at, as well as your values. Because if what you're doing is not consistent with your values, then then you're you're going nowhere fast. So this is really important. It's really a critical piece of the puzzle on that, to know what your mission is, to know what your values are. I worked as an aerospace engineer for many years, and uh, I was good at it. I made a lot of money at it, but it wasn't consistent with my values. My value was more for contribution, for peace, for creativity, for awareness, and it didn't really meet that. So gifts and talents, values, your passion, because again, passion is that fuel. It's it's derived from owning your mission, and it creates that owning your mission as well, but you light it up. When you're doing it, you light up and you lighten up. You're energized. You're in the flow at that point. So your passion is important, and finally, the fourth piece is your contribution, your contribution to the world, to the planet. And I won't get too spiritual on you, and yet I have no doubt that you were born to make a difference in the world. No one is who you are. No one has your gifts and talents. No one can be a better you than you can be. And you've got a role to play. You've got a contribution to make. You've got a service to provide that only you can share. Part of it's in your hands. Part of it's in greater hands. But it's a co-creation. And it's time to do your part in that equation of your life and your mission. That's perhaps why you're on this call, why you're drawn to my message about creating a passionate life. And it's not necessarily your job or your career or your way of providing for yourself. It's not necessarily a huge, big, grandiose mission, though it might be. Some, For some people, it's your vocation. For some, it's your avocation. There's no scale of comparison in, in owning your mission. No mission is better or worse. None is more deserving or less deserving. We're all on this planet together. We're all in it together. So that's pretty much what I wanted to, to share in terms of mission, in terms of owning your mission. And uh, again, I'm Dr. Adam Sheck. For those of you who are new to the call, my website, thepassiondoctor.com, you can learn more about me there, download my special reports. Uh, but enough about me. What are you looking for? What are your questions? What are your challenges? How may I support you on this call? Because it is interactive. I'm happy to to offer my feedback, uh, my coaching, whatever I can to point you in the right direction to, to support you in that. So <clears throat> if you have a question or a comment or a challenge, if you uh, type in five and the star, five and the asterisk, it will raise your hand and I will unmute you and we'll dialogue a little bit. And again, this call is being recorded. I still haven't decided if I'm going to use the recordings uh, to inspire other people or not, but I may. So if you want your privacy, keep your first name or make up your own name. That's okay too. And we can take it from there. Or if it's something you don't want me to record, I can uh, always turn the recording off too. But again, um, whatever you discover may be valuable to someone else. So five and star should raise your hand. I'm not seeing anyone raising their hand yet, so I will wait a moment for you to get your courage going. 
could be technical difficulties, and I'm crazy, and five stars not it. I think it is, but we'll give it another 10 seconds, and if it isn't, I will unmute everyone, and uh, we will try and assess what is going on, if you have any questions. Oh, I just got one from Courtney, so let me unmute you, and oh, I've got another two. I'm excited here, but we'll start with Courtney, who raised her hand first. Hey, Courtney, good to, to talk to you again. Thank you, Dr. Shack. Um, I'm calling from Atlanta, and I have a question. It's, it's a two-part, but it's fairly brief. In so many of your articles, which I've read on the um, Good Man Project and the Elephant Journal, you've referenced having a guarded heart, which to me sounds very healthy and wise, but I was wondering if you could tell me in what context and what you mean as in relationships, maybe I want to wait to knowing someone better, or I, I don't know how that would be. That's up for you to say. And then secondly, do you feel that you still have that guarded heart, or no, I've changed, or I, it's loosened in a new relationship, or as I've developed another friendship, or if you could kind of talk about that. Sure. You're asking about the concept of the guarded heart in general, or my uh, guarded heart? Uh, well, if you'd like to share a little bit about your guarded heart, or you could certainly say the concept as well, whatever you feel more comfortable with. Okay, great. Well, I think I've probably exposed myself quite a bit on, on some of those blog posts, so I'm happy to talk about all of it. I would say, uh, on the one hand, from, from the context of what you're saying, Courtney, uh, you think it's a good idea to have a guarded heart. I would say it's a good idea in relationship, whether it's meeting a new friend, uh, a new a coworker, a new teammate, a new potential romantic relationship, to have good boundaries. It's good to know who you are, what you're going to do, what you're going to share. Some people, they go on a first date and they share their whole life story, and that may or may not be that appropriate for someone you don't really know. So I think it's good to have good boundaries, which is different than guarding your heart because it's important to feel what you feel. Uh, in my case, I've, uh, I've been a psychologist for 25 years. I've been in much therapy. I've had a crazy childhood, which I'm uh, grateful to have survived. And I would say just my own uh, childhood wounds of neglect, abuse, uh, blah, 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 um, uh, caused me to really protect myself. And I disconnected uh, from my feelings, disconnected from my body a lot, uh, was in a lot of fight or flight. I was triggered in that survival instinct, so the adrenaline is pouring all the time because people are dangerous, contacts are dangerous. And so I really did guard my heart. Uh, or I was naive and had it wide open all the time, and then it would get stomped on. So that's not a boundary. That's an all or nothing. That's a wall that's raised or lowered. So I, I would say in the context of guarded hearts, important to have boundaries. How much do you want to open? What's appropriate on the first date, the second date, a year into the relationship? If, if we're, and that's a conscious process. Uh, when I talk about a guarded heart in that protection, a lot of it's unconscious, and that needs to be unwound in whatever personal work you've done. I've done decades of, of you know, personal work, psychotherapy, coaching, uh, been in my own, which is what I'm talking about right now, as well as many somatic uh, pieces as well. So I've worked really hard to open myself up and continue to do so. So does that give you a sense of what, what you're asking about? In, in yes, yes, it does. 
Yeah. Do you have any specific questions for you in terms of, of setting boundaries in, in your life or, or guarded heart? Or Well, I don't really have issues with boundaries. Maybe I, well, I don't know, maybe I set up you know, too stringent boundaries. But I think in being single, young, single, healthy, I say young, um, you know, that's something you always kind of want to examine and look at within yourself and, sure. and think. I know I do that. You can certainly be pleasant, kind, charming, and enjoyable company, but that doesn't really mean that you're being vulnerable or open or that you're really sharing over a course of time. So that's something that I'm, I try to be aware of. Well, good for you. Good for you. Yeah, and work on. I'm not saying I'm 100% successful, but I'm certainly making an effort and trying. Is that no, something that you feel that you've done with time? I think I've gotten better on that. Like I said, I certainly was more all or nothing. I would jump all in and, and give my trust and, and myself to people before I knew whether they were uh, worthy of that. I don't mean that in an arrogant way, but, you know, whether they um, could hold that, whether they could respect Certainly. that, respect me. So I think that's uh, it's an important piece. And I think it's important to recognize, because, again, sometimes we attribute that more to women than to men, but I think men do the same thing. We give ourselves mm-hmm. away in different ways. Sometimes in, in our society we stereotype and we look at women more as sex objects and men more as success objects, but it's the same objectification in that way. We're still using mm-hmm. someone for something as opposed to for who they really are in, the, in their full entirety. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. It's very well said. Great. Thanks so much. Well, I'm just making it up as I go along, but uh, <laughs> sometimes it, it, it doesn't play. So thanks so much. So, Courtney, I'm going to mute you again, and then Christina uh, raised her hand. So we're going to see what she has to say. Okay. Let's see if I can figure out this, this muting button here. There we go. Okay, Christina, thanks for raising your hand. You are unmuted. What's what's uh, going on? How can I support you? Hey, I just um, I just realized that recently, like mm-hmm. within the last couple of days, that I grew up with my feelings not being acknowledged. Anytime I was upset, you know, growing up or whatever, my feelings were just blown off. And I'm, I'm I'm trying to, I guess, figure out how to talk to my mother because I really don't talk to her very much anymore. And she expects me to acknowledge her feelings, and I just I have a hard time doing that. Right. And unfortunately, that's affected. Growing up that way, it, it's affected my relationship with a lot of people. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm kind of. It's like I don't. It's like I just realized this, and I'm like, okay, now now what do I do? Mm-hmm. Well, good for you for realizing at least, Christina. That's where it starts. It's the awareness. It's the recognition. Because so many of us weren't acknowledged as children. We weren't validated as children. We weren't heard. What we said, what we felt, wasn't wasn't recognized. Like you're not sad, or I'll give you something to cry about, or you're not really angry now. Just relax just whatever and yes lot, exactly yeah yeah i can i can relate i had a narcissistic alcoholic mother with many other issues too which makes for a good psychotherapist and coach at some point but uh, uh listening is really important our wounds we just we don't know who we are if we're not validated and that's a lot of work i do with couples because again if we didn't get it 
we're often challenged in giving it, not just to the people that helped create that, but to the people we love because as children, we're, uh, Christina, we're really blank slates. We're absorbing everything that goes on in, in, in our households and our caregivers, sometimes mom and dad, sometimes extended family or a single parent. What they do is what we, we take in and how they interact is what we call love. So if for you, uh, uh, a mother who's demanding attention and recognition for herself and not giving any, that's love. That's wired in there someplace, and you may find, hopefully not, but you may find that on an unconscious level, you're attracted to relationships with people that are more domineering and aren't interested in how you feel, that don't want to share that or to hear it from you. So it's an important thing to heal, absolutely. And, and part of it is, is digging in to your childhood and letting go, forgiving, and part of it is in the moment, as I was saying before with, with Courtney, is, is setting boundaries. So you can set a boundary with your mother. You can either decide, okay, you know, she's my mother. I want to respect her. Some part of me loves her. So I can tolerate being with her for five minutes on the phone because it's going to be all about her, and I know it's not going to be about me. And I can do that as my, my gift. That's one strategy. Another is to, to be clear, you know, Mom, uh, I want you to acknowledge what I have to say. I want us to take turns. I want to say something, and I want to hear if you can even do it. Uh, an exercise I do with couples often is is to have them mirror back what they're hearing from the other. So they really have to listen. So if hearing something. Okay. have at least a, an, a conscious intention to do that. So these are two strategies you might use, and sometimes you just have to write someone off if it's too painful. But I think for you, Christina, the big part is whether you, you heal it with your mother or not, to not uh, become her unconsciously and be that way with people. Or you... you Hello, Christina, are you there? Huh. Yeah, sorry, I, the thing disappeared and all of a sudden I didn't hear you anymore. The call uh, just keeps going in and out. It's funny. I don't know what's going uh, on. Might, might be a bad cell connection. I, I can see you. So uh, did anything I said make sense or was it helpful for you? Yes. <laughs> what I did hear. <laughs> well, hopefully I didn't, my connection didn't get lost. It was more on your end, in which case the recording that I'll, I'll put out at some point uh may be helpful, but what did you hear me say, just so I can uh, fill in the blanks if you lost some of it? Um, after, um, I would have to explain to her that she needs to, that I need to be heard as well. It's not only just about her, and if I can only tolerate her for five minutes, then, right. then if it, yeah. If it's gonna be one <laughs> that's side, all I can tolerate. You can decide, yeah. And and you can ask for what you want, 
she may choose to give it to you or she may choose not to that's that's out of your control but yeah. it's on you to to ask for it and the other part I, I had shared that you might have lost was um, be willing to do that with other people because again you've been conditioned in your childhood to not share not share of yourself not extend yourself in that way because what's the use people will shoot you down or not care so if you continue that habit you're not going to get to share the, the beauty of who you are with anybody else yeah that's the big part to do that with the rest of the world and not uh, assume everyone's going to treat you like your mother did yeah very true yeah anything else I, I can support you with Christina or no that's it for now Great. <laughs> Perfect. Well, we do this call every every Thursday, so you're always welcome to do more, to uh, submit your questions on Facebook if you can't make it, and really take it from there. So we're close to being out of time. Anyone else um, have a question? Again, five star will will raise your hand there's a few other people on the call besides Courtney and Christina I guess the cuz are are the ones calling in today so uh, I'm not seeing anything then then let's wrap up uh, thank you all so much for your great questions for coming here uh, I'll be putting out this recording I think uh, I'm gonna start putting them out probably on on, on Facebook as well as on my website or on uh, my mailing list so I'm Dr. Adam Sheck, the Passion Doctor. Um, if I can be of any other support to you, uh, aside from this call, uh, you can reach me on my website, thepassiondoctor.com. You can contact me there for my free newsletter, my special reports, schedule a complimentary consultation if it makes sense. And this call is every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. Pacific Time, 8.30 um, Eastern Time. I look forward to uh, connecting with you all again. Thank you so much for being on the call, and be well.